Welcome to Hungry Authors, the show for aspiring authors who will stop at nothing to accomplish their writing and publishing dreams. We're your hosts, Liz and Ariel, and we're honored that you're here. Let's dive in. Welcome back, everyone. We are so excited today. We have an interview with our guest, Yuvia Augustine. Is that, am I saying that right, Augustine? Yes. I was, okay. I was saying the pronunciation in Spanish, but it's fine. Augustine is fine too. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for that. So, Yuvia, if you don't mind, could you, you know, kind of tell us about what you do as a literary agent? Because, um, like Liz just said before we started recording, a lot of authors kind of view literary agents as these like mystical gatekeepers. And there's a lot of, I think, mythology around literary agents and what they do. So could you kind of just share with us what exactly is your role? How mm-hmm. do you kind of see it from, from your perspective in the industry? Mm-hmm. Well, yes, I um, am a literary agent who represents Hispanic authors who write in Spanish. And then some of these authors have been translated into English. So that's specifically my area of expertise. And that's important to say, because just like publishers, most of the times uh, agents have an area of expertise. It's just not possible to be able to represent every genre. There are agencies that are pretty large and have different agents, and then they'll have different agents for different categories. But the majority of agents who are small and the majority of agencies are relatively small that have either the founder, that's the agent, or they have just a few agents or maybe two partners. They specialize for most of the time in a specific genre. So in my case, that's what I do. I represent Hispanic authors who write in Spanish. And I started this, I, I actually haven't done it for all that long. I've done it for five years. And I was speaking to a friend recently at a conference, not the conference where you and I saw each other, Ariel, but uh, another meeting prior to that. And she was explaining to me that when she left a publishing role that she really liked as an editor, which is kind of what happened to me, I was in sales, but I thought agent, yes, I want to be an agent. Authors always ask me questions and they want help with them. What can they do to their books or their proposals or their, their ideas so that they can sell, first of all, to a publisher and then to the end consumer. So I thought, well, that, that I'm perfectly fit for that. And she was explaining to me that in getting consultation from another agent that is uh, very experienced, um, she told her that it's fine, it's good, it's things that we need, but it would take five years for her to establish herself as an agent. And that is exactly that is exactly about right uh, with us, um, because I can say that, first of all, for the first year and a half, nothing really comes out. So you're telling everybody that you're an agent, but you right. don't have much to show for. I mean, you can't show a contract. So, so right. and by the time these books begin to get any traction and authors begin to sell well and the word gets around, it, it takes around that time. So yeah, it, agents pretty much, we can't solve all the issues that an author has. The author still has to write the book and the author still has to uh, provide an excellent manuscript. And, um, but agents, agents certainly are doorkeepers, as we were saying, but we don't solve everything. We, I want, I want to think that we solve a lot because we are then in between the author and the publisher. And sometimes what a publisher will not tell the author directly because they don't want to hurt their feelings or they don't know how the author is going to take it. They can tell us, and then we can vet that. And, you know, 
I don't, I don't uh, usually just forward an email. I usually talk to my client first and depending on the mood then, and sometimes if they want it, then I'll forward the email. Most of the times we don't, it ends in conversation and I can smooth things out for them. And so I think that's amongst other things that we do. Um, we yeah. take care of the interests of the author while providing publishers good content. Yeah. And I have said many times, I think agents have the hardest job in the industry. <laughs> you are like in between a rock and a hard place so much of the time because authors have these expectations and publishers also have these incredible expectations. And so you are in this difficult position of trying to essentially please both. You want to keep bringing the best projects to publishers because that's how you build the trust and relationship with them. And you also want to find the new voices and the exciting projects and take risks on, you know, authors you believe in. And that's, you know, that that's a hard place to be in. So I admire everything you you do. And especially specializing in um in, you know, Spanish language um authors and Hispanic authors. I think, you know, I'm curious to hear more about kind of the unique uh like the unique challenges or opportunities that you see there. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, for sure, the the oppor the unique opportunities are the stories, the stories that an American audience hasn't heard. Well, the stories that a Hispanic audience hasn't heard. And because in, well, in the Spanish language, um, obviously there's a lot of literature. We have um, classics, Don Quixote, and, and well, so, so many authors um, um, that I'm not going to name here because they're even difficult to pronounce. So I, I understand and you might not know them, but um, but it's so there's a rich um, heritage of culture and literature um, and great authors that continue to to write and some are translated into English, but the majority is not because um, in in the time in which we live, the majority of translations go from English to, to Spanish. And it's totally understandable. Of course, it's understandable. We produce a lot of content in the United States, mostly in the United States also in other countries where language is the primary language. But, um, but we see at the end of the day, very little from Hispanic authors that I, I, I know a few, uh, some of them I don't represent, others I do. Their, their stories, they're, they're great um, storytellers. And so I think that number one is the unique opportunities is those unique stories then maybe sometimes it's a topic that we know too well, for example, World War II and um, and all the things that happened, the Holocaust, war, and all the social, the politics that led us to 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 that um, very difficult and very hard era for for the the world for modern times. Um, but if you hear a story that happened in Europe from somebody from Spain, from a historian from Spain, you can get a, a, a new perspective, a bent that you hadn't mm, you hadn't anticipated or you were not aware of, and so it gives you another perspective on something that we we know too well. And so that's that's one thing that the unique stories, um, the unique examples in fiction, and then in nonfiction, it's a whole another story because sometimes when books are translated from English to Spanish, which is great, I I love that we have whether it's classics or uh, modern or or things that we're writing today that get translated in Spanish. 
it's great that we have these ideas and stories and perspectives, but sometimes there are things that don't, when you translate them, the wording is correct, but the meaning is different because it's another culture. And so, so I, I, I think that as far as unique opportunities is yes, those stories for a Hispanic audience and then curating those because we don't present everything for English translations. We present those that we think will have interest. First of all, we always think of the consumer for an American audience and of course then finding the right publisher. And uh, so that's another, another tier, being able to translate those into English and other languages. Okay, so I know um, I know you've talked to Ariel about this a little bit. I haven't heard as much because I wasn't at the event, but you just came back from the Guadalajara Book Fair, yeah. right? Okay, so first of all, we want to hear about that. And also, Ariel and I have a little bit of a selfish interest because one of the things our publisher um, does really well and was sort of one of the ways they wooed us and included in their marketing plan was book fairs. They're like, well, we attend a lot of book fairs. We are going to bring your book to book fairs. And we're kind of like, great. What does that mean? What is it, What happens there? What, what, what is involved? I've never been to a book fair. So tell us, you know, what that means for the author, what's involved with the publisher. Um, yeah, we'd love to hear. Oh my, it's very exciting. Um, I think that you you said that being an agent is is hard. It is hard, but you have no idea how much I enjoy it. I I another thing that someone told me. I like to learn. I like to listen. And so um, thank you for this interview. I'm not usually the one talking so much. I I actually like to I, I ask questions and I hear um, because I like to learn. And so from people that have more experience, from people that have another type of experience. So I was speaking to an attorney who represents authors. That's just another level. He's uh, he's very experienced and he's done this for much longer than I have. And he's, he represents top authors. And one thing that he told me is that the hardest negotiation is going to be with your own client. And that was so revealing to me because it was so true, but I, I had not seen it like that, but it, it is so true. I mean, negotiating with publishers is hard, but yes, that is true. The hardest negotiation is with my own client when I have to. And that's probably the true for, well, he told me that that that's true for, for most of the uh, um, cases as an agent, because we are the ones that have to tell the author, um, yeah, well, you know, that's, that's a great idea. And I, your book is actually really good, but it's been done so much. And maybe if we go this route, the trend this you know, this way, and you can still do that, but we will get X results. But if we go a little bit this way, the possibilities increase. And so, you know, we have to find the, the right way to negotiate with them. And, you know, and we're at the receiving end. So, um, having understood that that that's normal, I thought it was just me. <laughs> I thought it was yeah. just me. Um, that is just perfectly normal. That gives me much more confidence. I say that because I really enjoy going to book fairs. And um, and the reason is because, well, I get to see people that I haven't, I, I wouldn't see it otherwise, colleagues, people that have moved to other uh, uh, companies, and we don't see um, naturally, so you, because they're in another country and more, most places, mo most of the times are another state. And so I like that. And at the end of the day, it's, it's, these are pretty big uh, events, but at the same time, they're not because people have moved around and you kind of know several people there. And, and so that's one thing. But the other thing is 
the amount of opportunities because everybody's there with the mindset of doing business. You know, it's different when you when you have to go out and you have to say to a publisher, hey, I'd like a meeting. I have a new um, list of titles. But every there, everybody's expecting that's what we're there for. So so it's it's more um, natural and easier and um, to be able to talk to people, different different people. And in a way, we're all at the same level because, you know, people are not in their big buildings in New York and uh, and we're over here in our in our office. It's we're all at the same event. We all came to the same place and it's, it feels really good. So so I like that. But book fairs for authors, what does that mean? Well, it can mean a number of things, but for publishers, um, I was with an author, um, a very uh, dear um, friend now. Her name is Maria, Maria de Lourdes Victoria. And she wrote a book in Spanish that is called The House of Secrets. And it's basically, um, it's a novel, but it's like um, a present and past and the two en encounter each other. But so we were there uh, with her publisher, and this is one of the largest publishers in the Spanish world. They're called Planeta. So they have a massive booth. Um, it's really impressive. It's really you're you're walking into a bookstore, and then they have a second floor where they have all the all the secret, all the meetings with the with the agents and authors and publishers, which my author didn't know because we've been working together for a year, so she's never been upstairs, and so she didn't even know that there was another tier. Those are the kinds of things that agents. Um, I guess, uh, get not the going upstairs, but being able to know where the people that can make your book happen are, <laughs> because they're not at the floor. They're not there. Uh, when you walk in, you know, um, uh, attending to people, they're not there. <laughs> and, um, so, um, so, and she was looking for, so what I did is I, I had the meeting with her and the publisher, but I arrived early to look for her book <laughs> because I wanted to make sure if it was there to take her directly to where I was. And if it wasn't to sort of, you know, um, um, soften whatever it is. Right. And, and me tell Pull her. a copy out of your back pocket. Yes. <laughs> and me tell her. So we did that find happens. It. Yeah. So we did find, and what it, that's what it means because they yeah. can bring everything. They really yeah. have to be selective. Yes. And, um, and so in, in book fairs, what it tells consumers, consumers make time. They, uh, set aside not just time but money to go buy their books sometimes for for that season or for the year this is where they get like their big um their their lists of, of reading materials for 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 the year and so um the fact that your book is there it means that um you're part of that special collection that gets to go to book fairs and most and, and many times it's it's um the same sort of books that they take to different to different fairs so that i guess in a way, that's what it means. Uh, it could also mean that they could have they could have it featured. Um, they could have a they could have it on a special promotion. Maybe it's announced in the fair in the, whenever people get their programs. These these are the Feria de Guadalajara, the book fair in Guadalajara is pretty large. I'm not good with number. I mean, I'm good with numbers as far as financials, but as far as you know. Um, how how big it is in size, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you there's you can walk and walk and walk and there's a lot of booths 
Um, so the fact that your book is there uh, is is good. And mm-hmm. so, so what I did, I went around looking for all the books that were ours, our agency represents, and I took pictures and sent them to my authors. And they did call oh, outs. That's nice. Even though they weren't there. They did call outs. My book is at the Guadalajara Book Fair. That that looks good for 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 your audience too. That your book got to go there. So yes, that's. I don't know if that's all that it means, but that's part of what it means. Well, it sounds like you know book fairs are a good idea if you have an agent and you can use that opportunity to kind of meet with multiple potential publishers. It sounds like, and then it's also good for when your book has published. Obviously, putting your book in front of salespeople and um, do um, are, are the people who attend like just book lovers in general? Like, do readers normally attend book fairs kind of with the intent of? I'm going to go find some new books to enjoy, or is it primarily kind of for inside the industry? I guess every book fair is different, um, but because there's one, for example, in Madrid, and there's the one that is done in New York, and those are not for consumers. They're just for, uh, for professionals. Okay. So most everything there are displays. It's also important and it's also great. Oh, actually, the one in New York, well, I don't know how it is now because I haven't gone in a few years, but before they did open it to the consumer for a few days. That's that's I forgot about that. So I only went for the professional day. So they do they do they did open for for the consumer. The one in Guadalajara is sort of that it's the, the book fair in Guadalajara lasts two weeks. So it's pretty long. Yeah, it's the it's the largest book fair in the world for Spanish. And so um, they have professional days where, what it what it means, only professionals are there. Otherwise we wouldn't be able to do anything because it gets packed and there's just so many people. And yeah, I would say that a large number of people are readers, but then it lends itself for locals to be able to do um, events with schools, with, other types of organizations. I know that I, I saw uh, or I heard that there were buses that came from schools and they had a, a wow. lot of uh, young teens. And so I don't know how much of, you know, how much they individually read, but schools want to encourage that. So there's a lot of that depending on what type of book fair it is. But I, I would think that a great majority of people there will be readers. And yeah, you can see them excited going to the different forums um doing the lines for the book signings uh, uh finding out um what is going to be uh, who's go- going to show up and so um buying their books and you know so so it's it's yeah a large number will be readers but also there are days for professionals yeah that makes sense mm-hmm. um i want to pick up on something you said earlier that we, Ariel and I talk to our clients about occasionally, which is um, when you're searching for a literary agent, you mentioned that it can take about five years to feel like you're fully established. Not that you don't see success before that, but so something I'm frequently advising my debut first time uh, or aspiring debut authors who aren't represented yet, but are looking for representation is it can, it, it's not easily done, but to find those early literary agents, the JV 
squad, you know, the newcomers, because they are hungrier for new talent than, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert's agent, you know, or somebody who's been around for a really long time. And it can be hard to find those people or suss them out, you know, like sometimes it's just going to an agency website and looking Mm -hmm. for somebody who can tell is either younger or, you know, by the title, they're more junior. Somebody who has just started their agency almost always doesn't have a full list yet. Um, So because if you're trying to build your writing career at the same time as they're trying to build their lit agent career, that can be a really cool collaboration and partnership, especially, um, you know, if you have a really good book idea and you are serving as, you know, being the answer to a problem they have, which is they need talent. So mm-hmm. what do you have any advice for those first time writers or authors who aren't represented, but they are looking to make themselves you know, appealing to a lit agent, especially perhaps like a younger one or a newer one who doesn't have a full list and is also hungry for talent. Like how do they cut through the noise? I know that's a broad question and we're not going to get through all of it today, but in general, you know, what, what did you look for in those early days or now, but especially in those early days where you, you didn't have a list and you're looking for like those up and comers, shining stars, somebody who's like, bandwagon you can kind of jump on as they're on their way up you know like what 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 were you looking for that's a very good question i i actually haven't thought about that but that's a very good question i i don't i don't know um if um i don't know if my authors thought that but (laughs) but that is actually a very good idea and i guess it's true for anything uh I, i i would say yes go to the big agencies i would say to to an author you know you you know you and you have to believe in yourself i have a, a son who's an artist and he's an illustrator and i always tell him you know if you don't believe in yourself how can you expect other people to believe in yourself so so assess who you are as an artist and really give you the right rating you know don't don't expect don't think that you're better than what you are but don't undermine all the the all the work that you've put into this and and the quality of, of the work that you that you have and so know yourself exactly as how you are and also know that you're young he's pretty young he's 22 and so and also know that the artist that you are today that's not the same artist from five years from now because you continue to 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 polish your your craft and you are you have been consistently better so I say the same thing to my my writers assess who you are don't be pretentious um and and try to think maybe think of comps i'm sort of at the quality or not just the genre but i'm sort of like these authors so i would say you know if you uh know in your heart and in your in your in being objective with your own if you can be your own critic and understand who you really are as a writer and say okay well then you know if you think that you can go to those big agencies and because your your work is that quality, there's all this this plan that you have ahead, all these things that you've done. Okay, I wouldn't say don't do it. I would say try it. But at the same time, um, you might that other that other uh, uh, recommendation that you that you give is so, uh, great because that is exactly what we do even with publishers. You know, of course, we want to get published with the big five, but you know, there might be other options, and it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that it's a no with the other ones in a, in the future, you know, but it, it means so. And so I would say as if just thinking of, of agents, 
I would say, yes, if you want to try, well, you know, nobody can stop you from that, but no, understanding and knowing that it's going to be harder. So after a while, give yourself some time. If you can't get an agent, I don't know how long you, you're the one who, who can decide if it's, I'm going to try for these six months or these nine months or, or whatever. If I don't get an, an, um, an agent by, by this time, I will look for um, newer agencies, um, agencies that are uh, uh, creating their, their list. I think that's a great idea. Um, because yes, I can, um, and, and then on the question of how I did it, well, I worked in publishing and I was, uh, the senior sales director for the Harper Collins Spanish division, uh, for many years. And so I met a lot of authors and I met them when they were very happy about their work and they wanted to say hello to us and, um, tell us, thank you for the work that we were doing. But I also met those that were frustrated and those were probably more often. Oh, what happened? What can I do? Please give me advice. What can I do? Or how can I pitch this idea to my publisher? And so um, I would try to... with their sales, like sales yes. numbers. Oh, OK. OK. Well, their sales, sometimes their sales or sometimes their sales were good, but maybe their earnings were not as good. And uh -huh. they thought, well, you know, it's all this effort. Does it, you know, is it is it worth it? And so uh, most of the times I try to send them back to their editors and publishers because you don't want to, you know, um, contradict or whatever. And I was always very careful to 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 protect them. But some, but I would give them objective advice as far as well. Maybe uh, you can do a little bit more research. Uh, maybe uh, this topic is great. Same thing. Same thing that I said at the beginning to understand trends and. To not be in a silo, get into a community of other authors and writers and get their opinion, things like that. And so because of that, when I started the agency, um, they immediately followed me. I, I had a non-compete with HarperCollins, obviously, so I couldn't um, I couldn't um, service them for a while. But after that was um, over. Um, they signed with me. So, and in, in, in early on, I had authors that no longer published with Harper Collins with the company that I worked for. So that pretty much I, um, I started making phone calls and, and people called me. So it, in, in that sense, I, I was, I had that privilege then that they um, called me and wanted to work with us. And also in Spanish, that's another factor. There aren't very, very many agencies. There are great agencies in Spain for Spanish and there are a few in the United States, but um, it's most of the authors that write in Spanish don't have agents. Don't don't tell that to anybody. <laughs> but right. So, so uh, in that sense, and, and, and in part, that's why I started the agency the way I did. Um, it's not that I don't want to service American authors, but I, there's just so much already. And I feel like this was a space that was not served. And, and part, most of my conclusion when I gave advice to authors that later became friends, my conclusion in the back of my head was I never told them this, but, or sometimes I would tell them, but in the back of my head, it was more like, okay, the problem is that you don't have an agent. That's, that was my conclusion, because if you're happy with the, uh, because the sales were great, but you don't feel compensated, nobody was advocating for you on the contract side. And if you're not happy yes. with the results, it's because you didn't have uh, realistic expectations. And so nobody was advising you from the beginning. Nobody was advocating for you. You're on your own. 
and you're blind. You know, you, your yeah. your editors can be great, but they're not going to tell you uh, um, that they're looking out for their interest. And that is what they should do. They're looking out for the interest of the company that employs them. But somebody should be looking out for your interest. And that's why I decided that this space was where I thought that my expertise would, was needed. And, um, and so that's why I, I, I do what I do. Yeah. And I, I think that is so needed and that's why we are huge advocates for getting a literary agent. If anyone listening to this is like asking the question, should I get a literary agent? Do I need one? I'm, I usually tell people you you want one, even though there are some publishers where you can get contracts Mm -hmm. without a literary agent. And honestly, some publishers would prefer that because Mm -hmm. then there's just, there's not that middleman advocating for you. Um, and it's easier for them to kind of, like you said, represent their own interests, but you want a literary mm-hmm. agent advocating for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, that's so true. Uh, yes, you, you want a literary agent that is looking out for your interest. And as I always say, because, you know, I, I, I would say, I can tell you maybe the 10 things that you should look out for a contract. That's fine. But those things change. Those things change because this is a dynamic market. It's just yes. like real estate. Whatever you knew about real estate, the following year it has changed in six months, in three weeks, because it's a dynamic market. The the market for for copyrights is a dynamic market and it changes. And so new technologies are developed and um, new things happen, and you want somebody that's on the know-how so that they can be looking out for that um for you not just now I just I had a conversation with a publisher recently and about a contract with one of my authors and there was a a term in which we were not agreeing and I spoke to the author I gave them my advice I always do what they say but I give them my advice and I said it's not good I don't my advice is that we don't take these terms because they might not hurt you now but they will hurt you in the future Mm -hmm. and so my answer to the publisher was well thank you so much for the offer we're you know all all the um, things that we should say. And then I say, unfortunately for this term, um, the author is not willing to do that because when you and I are gone, because that happens, we move around to other other companies. When you and I are gone, the only thing that is going to be between him and a massive company is going to be a piece of paper. So, um, and well, by the way, they came back and they they wanted to renegotiate. Wow. So, so, but that is true. That piece of paper is extremely important. And so authors are emotional, which is right. That is, you know, you're attached to your content, to your book. It's, it's yours. It came out of you, out of your ideas and your, and your experiences and your, your, everything that you are. And so you have that piece of paper in front of you and you're just eager for the book to come out. Your agent can say, wait a minute, let's, let's talk about this. And, um, and so, uh, you, uh, and like I said, that's why the most of the negotiation is with my authors. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's so, it's such a good point that you, your job is not just to represent the author's interests in this moment, but really you're setting up, setting them up for a, you know, future success too. your, your job is to look out for their future interests and their future books interest. And that's something that, you know, we, we don't talk a lot about, but that, you know, there's, there's a long-term perspective here. And ideally 
most of us want to write multiple books. I think everyone who, you know, has a book comes out, the obvious next question is like, well, what are you writing next? And if you haven't been planning for that from the beginning, you may find yourself in a situation where you've signed a contract that doesn't actually favor you or that, you know, like you said, kind of hurts your interests in the long run. So that's such a great point. I hadn't thought really through that before, but you're right. Yeah. So I'm curious, what trends are you seeing right now, especially in kind of the Spanish language market? I'm just curious because I admittedly know so little about that area of publishing. Um, And I just love to hear, you know, do a lot of the trends in like the English language market kind of uh, are those, is there crossover with the Spanish language market too? Or are you seeing um, different trends in that market as well, but like topics and um, themes or, you know, fiction, anything like that. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious, what trends are you seeing there? Mm-hmm. Well, that is another interesting question. I, uh, like I said at the beginning, a lot of the books uh, that exist in Spanish are translations from the English. There's a lot of original content too. The majority of it actually is original, but I think that we are, um, American writers are in a unique place because they are the language that is most translated in the world, not just to Spanish, but to other languages. So I would say, uh, first, I, I would like to, to, to say, and then I'll answer your specific question, but I, I would like to say when you're, as an author, when you're dealing with your agent, I would say that you handle your, your um, when, when, that your agent handles your translations, your subsidiary rights separately. Like when they're negotiating with a, with, and that's a tip for, for writers, when they're negotiating with a publisher, it's, it seems like it's pretty normal to just include sub, subsidiary rights. And most of the times these publishers will not do anything with them. They will catalog them and they will just have more inventory for them. And then when they go to their trade shows to their their book fairs to sell rights they won't take everything they will select whatever it's pretty arbitrary it could be their best sellers it could be whatever but at the end of the day it's individual people sometimes it's another department most of the times it's another department it's not your editor it's not your editor saying oh well yes this is great i have the rights for other languages here please present these for Spanish or for French or for other, they're not, most of the times it is not. Most of the times it's another department that don't know you, don't know anything about your book and they pretty arbitrarily, or maybe um, they go through a selection process and they choose whatever books they're going to take to that, to that, they're gonna include in that cycle. And if your book makes it for whatever, doesn't make it for whatever reason, that's the end of it. Um, and so, I would say that I would recommend to American authors to to keep those rights or to include a clause that says that you have to use them in X amount of time. Otherwise, they go back to you so that you can work. One of the things that I do is I, I collaborate with other agencies in which uh, maybe they don't do Spanish. They don't. Maybe it's an agent in the United States. And they they work the American market very well, but you know they want to partner with us, and we can sell their Spanish rights, for example, to to publishers when we go to uh, book fairs. Um, like in February, I'm probably going to be in Spain for almost a month because I want to visit publishers in Spain. And so um, you you want somebody that's what you want at the end of the day is the rights that you give out. You want them to be used. So anything that is not going to be used, you should keep. And sometimes we don't think about that because 
we're not thinking other languages. We're just thinking, you know, with <laughs> what in English because that's what we're thinking about. But so, so I, I just wanted to insert that there to treat it separately to keep keep as many rights, only give away the rights that they will use. And if they insist on, well, okay, well, you have X amount of time. Otherwise, they mm -hmm. go back because otherwise they just get cataloged. And then what happens is that you meet someone who knows someone, and then they say, oh, that's great. We want to translate it in French. It turns out you don't have the rights. You have to hand it out to hand it off to the publisher. And sometimes again, it's not your editor. It's not the ones that you that know you well. It's another department that is in another state and it gets lost. That's actually something that's happened to me where I've given the client to an entity and then they don't follow up and follow through and it gets lost. And then the contract doesn't happen. And it's kind of frustrating because we think, well, if the author had had the rights, we could have done it for them. So. That's, that's a good advice. Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you for, for adding that. Yeah. And then the other, as far as your, your question on trends, a lot of things do, but a lot of things don't. So <laughs> that's a, um, a question that is um, either or, but um, not, I would say not everything uh, as far as trends translates probably to any, um, any other language, but specifically speaking of the Spanish speaking reader, a lot of things do, like um, when we we had um, all this, uh, when Gone Girl came out, for example, there were stories like that, left and right. So it, translations, that, that one got translated in similar books, and then also originals started popping up like that. Um, but in the majority of cases, the, the bestsellers in a particular, uh, in, in this case in, in Spanish, are going to be originals. There's a, a, I'll name a few authors. Um, Arturo Perez Reverte is, is one. And for example, he's writing, he wrote a book that is called El Italiano or El Alemán, which means the Italian or the German. And so it's World War II stories. But again, you know, he's from Spain. So he will have another perspective. He will not have the American perspective. He will have the the role that Spain played or Europe played in the war so so that's those are those are um, things that are doing really well Isabel Allende she's translated in English so her books are available I love Isabel Allende she's probably yeah. one of my favorite authors who write in I, Spanish. I have a couple of, of her books as well yeah okay yeah and so she is I don't I don't know what what she does but anything she writes it sells well <laughs> And so her and uh, and then, of course, there's um, other other um, there's um, a historian in Mexico who writes um, history. He has he writes historical fiction. So historical fiction is pretty popular in, in, in whether it's in Spain or in the rest of Latin America. And so there's a, a rich story that um, I guess. Hispanics in the world, um, we have the 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 local. Well, I don't I don't exactly know how to say it, but but the local cultures and customs and all of that. But everything we also have an, an a connection with Spain because that's where our language comes from. So that's why I know that there are many names now to name Hispanics. I keep using the name Hispanics because to me that has to do with the there's a connection with the language. And so whether you're in the United States or Mexico or Spain, Hispanic sounds about right. When you say 
Latino, that excludes Spain. And now I know that there are uh, trendy names that people use, Latinx. You say that in Mexico, nobody's going to know what you're talking about. So. <laughs> So, oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, no, that's an American thing that came out of the colleges in the United okay. States. And and I understand. And if people want to be sure. called Latinx, I, I respect that. But I, I, you know, since I'm all over the world, yeah, people are not going to understand that. So Hispanic to me still encompasses everybody okay. because it has to do with language, even yes. if it's Hispanics that are in the, that are U.S. citizens, it's the heritage of the language. So um Anyway, I don't I don't know why I got into that <laughs> rabbit hole, but <laughs> to say that, yes, so so there's a lot of original. Uh, oh, what I was saying is historical fiction is very popular. So um, so if you write historical fiction, um, people in Latin America love those those types of books. And uh, and they translate well, because at the end of the day, it's a story if it ha- whatever it has, whether it's humor or or whatever, um, it it translates well uh, because it's a it's a it's something that it's based on something that they can look for. Um, other than that, I don't know. There's just so much. Do you have any plans of your own or goals or dreams about writing a book someday, or do you plan to always stay on the yeah. agenting middleman end of it? Well, I do, as a matter of fact, I always said no, but last year, 2023, it's an idea came to mind and it has to do with what you guys do and what Mm -hmm. I do. I give a lot of online um, free courses and we're converting that into a podcast now that we are, I have, the podcast is in Spanish and it's there online, but we're building the library right now. And so it, we haven't really, it's there, but it's not really, we haven't launched it because I want to, I want to launch, I want to build a little bit of a library so that I don't get behind because we have so many things to do, like, as you might understand. Um, so, but I, I thought that maybe all the advice that I give to authors to, to whether I, I also bring guests and other other writers or editors, and um, I'm converting that into a podcast, and I and I'm thinking of converting that eventually into a book, and I actually started writing it, uh, and um, I think I can do it. So, <laughs> so um, that's but, awesome. Yeah, but I don't have specific plans, and and the person who encouraged me to do that was my mother. You know. Our, our our parents are my mother was my my number one fan she said um she 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 would say that and uh unfortunately my mother passed away this year and oh, so sorry. I yeah and so I had I had written 15,000 words and uh I have not written after her passing I I decided to leave that for next year but now I kind of have to do it <laughs> yeah so so and do you we'll write see. in English or in Spanish? I write in both, but this one is for, since this is more specialized on what, what I do, it would be in, in Spanish. Mm-hmm. I, I have not thought about, um, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I also have another idea as far as um, maybe writing um, some, I'm, I haven't decided if it's uh, fiction or not. But we'll see. I, I want to. Yeah. I'm going to start with the first one on things that I know. I think. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll see from there. But so to your question, uh, the one that I'm writing right now is in Spanish. If I decide to write the other one that I have in mind, I probably will write that in English. I write better in English than I do Spanish. I write well in Spanish, but I do have to check my spelling for the accents and things of that sort, um, which I don't have to do. I, I, my, my primary language, there. I grew up with both languages, but in writing, my primary language is English. So do you um, do you have any advice for, you've already shared a lot of advice, but if there are any um, Hispanic authors listening or, you know, aspiring um, authors who would want to, you know, potentially be translators or something, do you have any advice for where they should start? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if there are Hispanic authors that live in the United States that are American, I would say, well, yeah, write in English if you can um, um, penetrate the American market. That's where everybody wants to be. You're already here. Great. It's easier mm. to translate from English to Spanish than from Spanish to, to English. I know that because I do that and it's hard. Sure. <laughs> so um, so I would say continue that path. When you're writing, speaking specifically to Hispanic authors, um when you're writing, um, really, it depends. If it's a non-fiction or a, or a fiction, I guess in both cases, you you think about it from the beginning. And you know what? This advice is really for anybody. When you're writing your book, most of the translated material around the world comes from the English language, as far as literature, most of it. So when you're, you're writing your book, um, your book can easily um, cross borders. Um, if you, from the beginning, understand that it can, it can do that, maybe you're not writing it only for an international audience, it's, especially when it's nonfiction. Uh, when it's fiction, a story is a story. So I would say you don't need to pr- pretty much, you might not need to do much. But if it's um, nonfiction, um, especially, I see this especially in Christian publishing. And I don't know how much of, of, of Christian authors uh, hear your podcast, but I see this in, in Christian publishing, uh, the examples sometimes are absolutely not relatable <laughs> outside the United States. Uh, they it may be, they, they're great, they may be great, but um, you know, most most people um, in Latin America or in India, or in other places um, might not relate to um, things that have to do with, um, I guess, the, the lifestyle that we are fortunate to have in the United States. So I would say to be mindful of that, especially in Christian publishing, because sometimes I've seen examples where we uh, uh, authors, you know, with good intentions, want to, um, they give an example as remodeling their home in the same way that God wants to renew everything inside of you or um this thing that that became something uh financial blessing you know not that you should exclude them and if that's the reality that's the reality I want you to stay truthful to your to your content but be mindful that if you especially those authors that already know that their books have been translated that they keep that in mind because you know I can't tell you the many times that I've evaluated books not for my agency but when I used to work at a publisher at different publishers 
I would get the translation and I would read it and I would say, I, it would be a little cringe, you know, mm. because I would say in, in Mexico, seriously, we have to, we have to sell this book and we were expected to do so many. I wish somebody would have asked us about these two examples. And, and so, mm. so be mindful that, that your, if, if your books, uh, that your books might get translated, mm-hmm. the world is flat today, right? We, we know that. They're accessible mm-hmm. everywhere. And a lot of people speak English too. So you know that they, they buy them from different different countries. So just be mindful on the examples, especially in nonfiction and specifically in Christian publishing. And then in fiction, I would say also if you give it an international band, you know, it might have a possibility. I was giving, uh, for, for example, um, your characters, you could insert there an, um, an, an international character, a character from another country. Uh, of course, you know, I understand that it becomes then a problem. How do I represent this well? Uh, again, if it's natural to you, if you're a Hispanic author, for example, I would say, you know, include a, 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 a well, you know, but if it's a grandma or, you know, something that, that if the book gets translated, it's, it's easier. It, uh, it it it's more relatable. Nothing, you know. Um, I I don't want you to, um, I guess, um, overdo it. But but those things work well. I I handle the I manage the sales department for a major publisher for Spanish, and those things were good for us for pitching to media. For example, remember the author can't go most of the times to Mexico, but to pitch it to media, we would we would. Um, extract this oh it has this character that um, is originally from Mexico or from Spain or whatever those things would help us in being able to place things uh, or or look at this um, or he he talks about it's a book on finances but he also mentions this about the world economy so that it would be more relatable to booksellers or to media or to book reviewers and so I would that would be my advice uh, not to overdo it. And if it's natural, but keep that in mind, the English language, as far as um, copyrights, as far as literature is the most translated language in the world. So for me, for example, since I'm a Spanish, uh, an agent who manages Hispanic authors who write in Spanish, my goal is to get my books translated to English, because then from English, I can take them to all to many other languages. If I if I take it to French, it's not the same. Uh, taking it from English to French is much easier than to taking them from Portuguese to English. It's it's almost like no, it's still harder to get them to to English. That makes sense. I actually learned you're reminding me. So when I was in college, this was a long time ago. I studied abroad in Spain for a semester um, in Sevilla. Sevilla, and, yes. I don't think um, I knew that. Yeah, my junior year, I was there for like four months, my spring semester. Um, it was great. I learned a lot of Spanish, and then I promptly came home and used none of it. So, you know, I still have your basic. Yeah, there's there's a little bit that you can get out of that for your next book. Yeah, yeah well, and actually, a lot of people have told me, like, if I were to go back or like be in a Spanish-speaking country again, it would probably come back much quicker than because it's like in there somewhere anyway i remember learning i was a a business major and so when i was over there i was taking a lot of business classes and i remember learning in one of those classes that the 
international language of business is English, but not just any English. It's American English. American English. That is correct. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So anyway, just yeah. further. Yeah. But it's, well, that's an advantage that we have here. I would, I, I right. would say use it. Um, well, this was fantastic. I loved it. It's this is um, yeah. We love learning about different um, parts of the industry that we don't get to explore very much, and that our audience probably doesn't um, you know get to hear a lot about. So um, yeah, thanks for everything. Um, can, I, can I mention one of my books that has been translated in English? So of course, in, yes. In case people want to know what we do, it's called The Exile. The okay. Exile, and it's by Cesar Vidal. Vidal. Mm -hmm is the last name. He's a, a, a historian from Spain. He's written more than 200 books. Mm -hmm. And this one he wrote in 2020 in, in Spanish is called El Exiliado, but it is mm -hmm. translated into English. And it is um, about um, the main character is fleeing from, from in Europe. He's going from South to North because he is fleeing from the Inquisition. Oh. And in the process, he has different challenges. And the entire time he's he's just running, running whether however he can, because behind him he's being persecuted. And, and and the whole theme of the book is looking for freedom and peace. And so it's called The Exile. And people that have read it, uh, my friend Amy, who's the organizer of Writer Fest, read it and she told me that it was great. And she, you know, she's she doesn't have time to to read um just for reading and she told me that it was great that she could even see it as a movie so I would if you want to give it a, a try it's an audio and it's in in print and in ebook format wherever you buy books very cool yeah I just found it on bookshop.org so we'll be sure to include a link to that in the show notes um, so that people can take a look and order it because that would be great so Yuvia if someone wants to contact you and send you a pitch let's say um, what is the best way for them to do that? Where can they contact you? On our website, theagustinagency.com. Okay. And uh, we have a, a place there for, for getting connected with us and for pitching an idea. Or they can also write us an email at info at theagustinagency.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Yuvia. This has been great. Thank you, Ariel and Liz. It was wonderful talking to you. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're a hungry author and you want to learn more about our community and courses, head over to hungryauthors.com. Remember, you have a story and a message worth sharing. And if you've got the hunger, you can make it happen. Mm -hmm.